Welcome, friends, to Inside the Writer's Cafe. I'm Cheryl Mason. Our show features the hottest authors and introduces you to exciting new authors talking about themselves and their latest book. Our show today features two interesting books. One is about a slice of America's history, and the other is a children's book of Pakistani children's stories. King Charles of New York City by Gary Nyhard introduces readers to Charles Barnes Towns, a former drug treatment ambassador from the United States sent to China. Upon his return, he opens the Towns Hospital in Manhattan and promises the only known cure for opium addiction. Readers will discover a hitherto untold story of drug addiction, treatment, and the founding of Alcoholics Anonymous. Children's Reading Stories by Majabin Taj Arzani is a series of five stories originally written in the Urdu language and translated into English. The stories are entertaining and have universal themes designed to teach all children right from wrong. Gary Neidhart is joining me today to talk about his book, King Charles of New York. How a 19th century Georgia farm boy became a Manhattan-based sovereign authority on alcohol and drug treatment. Welcome, Gary. Well, thank you. I'm uh, mighty glad to be here. Well, it's my pleasure to have the opportunity to talk to you. First of all, let's get you to introduce yourself just a little bit to our listeners. Tell me a little about who you are. Where did you go to school? Well, I went to uh, Ohio Wesleyan University. I'm a 1970 uh, graduate there. Um, actually, I spent a whole lot of years um, as uh, uh, working with computers, uh, but I've always loved uh, American history uh, as well. Maybe it's because my dad was such a, a historian as, as well. Um, and incidentally, my father was the subject of my first book, Poseidon in the PC, two years ago. However, this this book is um, uh, in an in an entirely different uh, domain, which has to do with uh, much more with uh, um, the history of alcoholism and addiction, and uh, and is centered around uh, Charles Barnes Towns of uh, New York City. What drew you to him? Why did you find him interesting? Um, first and foremost, it, uh, I have been exposed to uh, the recovery community for quite a number of, of years. And this person, um, I, I was uh, being a historian, I gave a presentation on three people uh, that were involved in, in uh, recovery, but the name of Charles Towns kept on um, popping up, and as I started uh, digging, I found uh, that he was uh, a published author, which a lot of people d didn't know, uh, and that he wrote uh, over three dozen uh, magazine articles in the 1910s, which virtually no one knew, and that also he was a very prominent advertiser, and uh, the more that uh, information um, uh, was uh, uh, discovered the more prestige he had, and then I found how he did all of his his own promotional work uh, as well, and then finally the the significance of an address of 293 Central Park West 
that really sunk in uh, as well as because virtually no one could afford to have a treatment hospital at such a uh, prestigious uh, address that uh, overlooks Millionaire's Row in uh, downtown Manhattan where, you know, mansions sell for $80 million. Well, he was also, I mean, he was such an interesting character. He was an ambassador to China, and that's really where he got involved in this whole addiction process. Is that right? He he was a drug ambassador where he went um, to China and where he uh, perfected his, or claimed to anyway, to perfected what became known as the Towns Treatment or Towns Lambert Treatment, which was a way of dealing with opium addiction and uh, re- uh, removing the uh, opium patient uh, from his addiction, so the claim went within about a week. Wow, that's a stunning claim to be able to talk about doing that in a week. It was, and he was, uh, there's aspects of Indiana Jones, if you believe, because originally the Empress of China had chosen someone else um, to uh, implement her opium treatment. Uh, Towns insisted um, that his clinic not be closed. He sat in front of the uh, his clinic with a revolver in his pocket and another revolver handy and challenged the Empress of China um, to close his clinic, which he never did. He got away with a lot because basically the Chinese had no uh, military back then and were scared to death of the Marines <laughs> coming back. But he, he looked like a conquering hero to uh, Americans when he returned uh, under great publicity. He, uh, in, China, in Shanghai, he presented that he had the only known opium cure in the world and that was what led to the great publicity, which allowed him to found a hospital at such a prominent location. Well, and he treated the rich and famous because of that treated location. Treated the rich and famous. Uh, yes, over the years, W.C. Fields was known to uh, attend his hospital. Uh, Lillian Russell was there. Um, John Barrymore was there. It was a place for the wealthy uh, that had enough money to pay the rather hefty upfront. Uh, fee, but that was going to be the only fee. You see, the quicker um, towns could treat you and uh, release you cured into um, back to your place of origin, the fewer people would know that you ever had a problem in the first place, and the more money he would make because the quicker he, he, he cured you, again, he had the fixed fee, the more money he would make. He was highly skeptical of the sanitarium industry of the times that wanted the people to pay by the week, but then according to Towns anyway, that would pollute the morals of the sanitarium itself and encourage patients to stay there forever. Well, he had an interesting occurrence. He, Bill Wilson, in 1934, was a patient there at the town's hospital, and actually there was a, an occurrence that happened there and. Towns played a role with Wilson in founding AA. I had no idea. Um, without um, Charles Towns, um, it, there would have been no meeting between Bill Wilson and uh, Dr. Silkworth, the little doctor that loved drunks, 
and, um, and it was uh, Charles Towns that financed half of the costs of the big book out of his own pocket, the uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. He, he uh, fronted to um, that fledgling group the equivalent of $50,000 to help the book be uh, published. Then he even went um, and provided the first publicity for the book, which they couldn't give away by uh, giving, uh, making contact with Morris Markey, um, who was the author of the first uh, magazine article, um, Alcoholics in God, and that was also um, through the editor, Fulton Orsler, who turned out to be a great friend of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. The context, so Towns was really very connected uh, with the the successful birth of Alcoholics Anonymous, even though it ended up repudiating most of what he wrote and most what he stood for throughout his entire life. He was also involved in politics, I believe, as well, right? Yes, he, he was the primary author of uh, what was known as the Boylan Bill in New York State, which was uh, passed in, and went into effect in the uh, summer of 1914. Um, that was a model to regulate uh, narcotics, not prohibit them, just regulate them. It was that it model that was used that was used federally by a congressman by the name of Harrison. Uh, that law was passed federally in, 19, in uh, December of 1914, implemented in 1915. That was, again, to regulate um, uh, narcotics um, and, again, not eliminate them, but through um, the climate of the times filled with fear, uh, by 1919, um, uh, the Harrison Act was used to implement drug prohibition in the United States without a constitutional amendment. The idea was is that if alcohol was going to be eliminated, we cannot possibly allow uh, uh, drugs to be present because the alcoholics will just run to drugs and there will be uh, hell to pay. Why do you think we've never heard of him? I never had heard of him until I started reading your book, and I looked at it and I thought, wait, this guy is so powerful. He was so influential. He's done so many things. How come his name means nothing to me? Um, well, too, uh, he was extremely controversial. Um, he uh, made a number of uh, uh, beliefs that um, have some have uh, held up to the test of time, others haven't. Um, but, but he believes that doctors were for blame um, for the uh, drug crisis in the United States in the first place. Um, he was. Uh, he even came out with a brochure that indicated that the world would be better off if there was no such thing as morphine, no such thing as heroin, uh, no such thing as opium, no such thing as cocaine. If none of them existed, uh, the world would be better off. Of course, he never suffered from the pain of cancer or anything else. He said 90% of the drug use in his times 
was recreational. Therefore, the poor 10% would just have to be left to suffer. That is not very popular, um, just to start with. I would agree with you. He's a very interesting character. When our listeners finish reading the book, what would you like for them to leave with? Um, That we have an example of a man who uh, was very opinionated um, and had just such strong viewpoints But towards the later part of his life, he saw what was happening in front of him um, in the uh, the person of Bill Wilson and his, uh, uh, his other people getting sober, and he was able to reverse himself almost entirely and become a tremendous asset in an organization that repudiated his life's work. And so really this turns out to be a a history story with a happy ending. Um, And uh, he went away very silently, and if he's remembered today at all, he's remembered not as the uh, the formal Charles Barnes Towns, People refer to him in recovery as Charlie. Ah, I know our listeners are fascinated by what we've been talking about. And if they're interested in the book, they can go to Amazon. They can put the title of the book, King Charles of New York City. I think I left that off at the beginning. With your name, Gary Nyhart, N-E-I-D-H-A-R-D-T. And they can put that in the search engine under books and just click on the, the little search feature and it'll come right up. And they'll have the opportunity to read an excerpt. Is the book available anywhere else, Gary? Uh, the book is available through uh, AuthorHouse.com as well. Uh, it's available in uh, uh, in uh, in paperback. It's also available in uh, in PDF. If you uh, Google the full name in uh, quotes of the, of the book title, you'll find about six or eight places um, that it's available um, um, at the moment. Some through paperback some through uh, PDF. It is a larger book. It's um, eight and a half by 11, and it's because of the larger size, uh, it is because of the advertising that's in it, of the ads that appeared in the 1910s. They could not be shrunk any more than they were shrunk to fit in the book. Ah, well, how about social media? Do you have a presence on social media? A, a website is under construction, but at the moment you would find um, uh, the, the information on Facebook and under King Charles of New York City uh, on uh, Facebook.com. Well, Gary, this has been fascinating. Thank you so much for taking time out of what I know is a busy schedule to be with us today on Inside the Writer's Cafe. Well, very glad to be here. You're listening to Inside the Writer's Cafe, brought to you on webtalkradio.net. In this segment of Inside the Writer's Cafe, we're featuring a children's book, Children's Reading Stories by Majabine Taj Arzani. Our author is unable to join us, so I'd like to tell you a little bit about her book. 
The author is from Pakistan. She's a teacher, and she's completed a master's in the Urdu language. Since she was a child, she's enjoyed writing, and she particularly enjoyed writing stories for children. She only recently made the decision to publish her stories. Majabeen's stories were originally written in the Urdu language, and they're being translated into English. Through her stories, her goal is for young readers to learn new things about the Pakistani culture. And through the use of universal themes, Majabeen wants to help children everywhere recognize the differences between right and wrong and useful and useless things. Children's Reading Stories contains five different stories. I'd like to share one of those stories with you, and I've chosen the one titled, From Mistake to Repentance. Ali <sighs> 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 was breathing heavily as he was running with his shirt soaked in sweat, but he still kept on running because he'd forgotten his way in this dark night in the thick forest. A white monster was chasing him in this dark night. Because of the enormous size of the monster and his huge footsteps, he was making up ground on Ali. Because of the continuous running from the monster, Ali had become <sighs> exhausted. His whole body was trembling in pain, and he was scratched by the thorns in the woods. During the chase, Ali's foot had gotten caught on a rock, and he fell down. Now the monster was moving in a weird, playful way and had reached Ali. It had a strange face. It had normal features. It had two horns on its head, with the, and its feet were like horns as well, so that the monster could easily have walked on his head and still looked exactly the same. Hmm. Somehow the monster's face looked very familiar to Ali. Help me. I'm in need of your help. Don't be afraid of me, the monster said in an exhausted manner. What? You're in need of my help? Ali was shocked. Yes, I need your help. Uh, uh, oh, ouch. The monster uttered the words in extreme pain. Ali noticed that something was leaking from inside the monster, and it was the reason for the monster's restlessness. Ali got motivated, thinking that the poor monster is itself in trouble, so how could he possibly hurt me? How can I help you? Ali asked the monster. Oh, only you can help me, the monster said, while slapping the long black creature with a tail that was trying to get out from under the horn-like feet of the monster. But the creature kept peeking at Ali and said suddenly, Come out! Come out! Our real enemy is standing outside! As soon as the creature uttered these words, more and more absurd creatures started getting out. The long creature with a tail now stood at the horns of the monster with its chest out, and it tried jumping at Ali, but Ali got out of the way just in time, and the monster ran back toward the horns of the other monster. 
Who are all of you, and why are you after me? Ali screamed while regaining his balance. Ali, normally you enjoy yourself a lot while chewing us up and spitting us out, and all of a sudden we are strangers to you? A broad thing whose body was gnawed all over, said in its heavy voice. Tell me clearly as to who you guys are, Elise said, irritated. Well, I am your tooth. This long black thing is the pencil that you normally chew on. This broad thing is your eraser, which you tear into little pieces and then throw at your friends. Actually, all of us are in trouble because of you. When you chew on your pencil and eraser, I'm the one who gets affected and their germs enter into me, the white monster said while proceeding forward. The pencil to pushed the tooth aside and said, Not only you get affected, all of us are in trouble as well. When Ali chews me, I am in a lot of pain, just like you. And the pencil started crying and suddenly stopped talking. The pencil tried controlling itself, and while pointing towards Ali, it started speaking again. Ali, do you have any idea when you chew on me with your sharp little teeth how much pain I feel? And you don't stop until your teacher or your mother orders you to take me out of your mouth. The pencil pointed toward the eraser now and said, And this poor fellow, you tear him into pieces so that you can have fun with your classmates? It's a very shameful habit. Pencil shook its head in disappointment. The eraser came forward and started pleading with Ali. Ali, I'm begging you that you stop doing these things to us. It really pains us a lot. And the eraser started crying heavily as he said this. Ali stood like a statue while listening to all of this. He never even imagined that he could cause such a huge amount of pain to someone. After seeing Ali ashamed and silent, the tooth came forward once again and said, What is the bottom line of all of this, Ali? Well, in the end, you hurt yourself because you lie in bed all day with a toothache. If you would have given up your bad habits, your teeth would never have caught germs. Do you know why you caught a cold? Because Zaid, who is the most unhygienic student in your class, held the pencil in his hands and then you took the same pencil into your mouth. In this way, Zaid's germs reached you and you caught a cold as well. In this way, 
you did not only hurt yourself, but us as well. Ali kept crying, and he was ashamed. A good boy would be ashamed. He wanted to ask for forgiveness, but suddenly, with a thump, he fell on the floor. All this time, I was in a dream, he said out loud. But this dream was based on reality. Ali learned a valuable lesson, and he left all his bad habits. To read more or to get a copy of the book, go to Amazon.com, put the title of the book, Children's Reading Stories, into the book search feature, and the name of the author is Majabeen Taj Arzani. Now let me spell that for you. M-E-H-J-A-B-E-E-N-T-A-J-A-R-Z-A-N-I. This is a very interesting children's book, and I hope you've enjoyed hearing an excerpt. And thanks for listening. Our time is up, and we'd like to thank you for yours. Remember, pick up a good book and read.